It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. So thanks for tuning in again. This is actually part two of our draft coverage. So again, you heard the intro, but for us, it's just a continuing podcast. It just, it just keeps going. Um, so let's dive back in uh, with Pete and Andy, and let's get cracking on this draft preview for part two. But the next one is really, really intriguing for me. If you look at the 2023 agents, we've got Brian Bulaga, who's just been beset with injuries every single year I, I can't I don't has he ever played a, a full season uh, certainly not recently anyway there's always been someone sort of plugged in which is why we've always valued old linemen who were like Swiss Army knows where they could sort of you know play multiple positions because of this type of stuff happening um Jason Spriggs um is is also his contract's up in 2020 so is Justin McRae so is Lucas Patrick and it doesn't stop there we move into 2021 we've David Bakhtiari who I feel is going nowhere uh Lane Taylor uh Corey Lindsley who Andy I know you absolutely love how he snaps the ball you think he's second to none right <laughs> do, do you know what though do you, do you know what the year we pointed that at though uh, he's obviously gone away and done some serious work because the last uh, the, the last two seasons he's um it's been a marked improvement so for yeah. all that we 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 did jest about it and joke around it. I you know I think it was a, a glaringly obvious um, negative. He's obviously worked on it because he's been solid for the last two years, and you you can't knock it, can you? He's been an absolute. Well, he's played at an all pro level for me, and he's you know and the snap issue is no longer an issue. So yeah, no fair play to him. Yeah, no, it's it's great, and we were sort of spoiled as well, weren't we? When we had Lindsley and J C Treader as well. Treader then going off to Cleveland. Oh, I think they yeah. both sort of they yeah. rotated pretty well. Pretty grisly injuries that they both picked up at, at one time or another, where they sort of flip flopped there, but. When we look at the likes of that and we see the amount of O-linemen that are gone out the door, we also see James Campen having, you know, he, he's gone as well. And he was sort of seen as the mastermind behind getting O-linemen in and training them up and sort of churning out pro bowlers. We saw Josh Sitton and TJ Lang, both of who have actually retired this year. Um, Peter, would you be shocked if we used the number 12 pick on someone, you know, on the O-line or would that be just redonkulous at this stage? I uh, mean, what's your... Oh, no, it wouldn't. It, no, it wouldn't shock me at all and and as the days as we get closer and closer to the draft i'm getting more and more and more um round to the thought that that's actually what might happen yeah um so it's not the most exciting of picks you know it's far more exciting to have a a metcalf or a hawkinson or or perhaps an an, an edge rusher but it, but it might be um the most appropriate picks and i think it's just going to depend on Again, what they're look what they're looking for. So, you know, I, I'm assuming that the the top ranked tackle Juwan Taylor will go in the top ten before the Packers pick. Um, you know, and and then you're looking at these group of guys like Jonah Williams and and Andre Dillard, and those are different. They're different types of player. Um, you know, I look at I look at Jonah Williams, six three, three hundred and a bit. That look that just just feels like that's a guard not a tackle in the pros to me yeah you know is 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 his arm length isn't quite what you'd want from a from a tackle and yet in college he was you know an excellent left tackle at alabama so he's a difficult one because i, I you know he's a guy that you could yes plug it plug in at guard on the understanding that he's not played there but it's but it's uh, you know that i think that transition from tackle to guard wouldn't be difficult for him but then you ask yourself, actually, do I now want to spend the number 12 pick in the draft on a guard? Um, you know, because, you know, the guy at Indianapolis last year was the exception to the rule. 
and it's very rare that you get you know, a guard going that high that high in the draft because it's one of the in theory one of the easiest positions to plug a guy into um so i think it's i think it's a, again it's about it's about value and it might be that andre dillard is the best pick there if you if you're going offensive line at at, at 12 to come in as a, as a as a right tackle can he play right tackle though peter yeah, yeah. well that's I, my yeah no, and it's a good it's a it's it's a good it's a good question i i i think in time yes but I don't think he's the guy that's going to come in and, and start on day one, no. But it might be five minutes after the game one starts, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> after the first pile of the Balagas stretching off the field. <laughs> it's one of these, it, yeah, it's one of these, it's one of these strange situations where if you sat at 12 and said, is there a value guy at 12? The answer's probably no. Mm. no because I think Joan yeah. Taylor will go earlier than that. And I think these other guys are value at 16 or 17 probably so you're again in the same situation as saying i'm in that trade down scenario again you know you're stuck in between the two in between the two schools of thought there um but it still wouldn't surprise me if the, if they if they were to take jonah williams at 12 wouldn't surprise me at all andy high on the o-line or do you think if we're in that position just trade down i i think we will go o-line first round well o-line or d-line i think it'll be a big guy Either, either side of the ball but just to echo what Peter says really I'm, Jonah Williams is the safe pick yeah. isn't it Yeah. but I'm not I'm not convinced with, with any of his his footwork or his size or his arm length and all those sort of nagging questions for a number 12 pick that's a lot of questions to have for me at 30 I'm thinking yeah that's a to goer but just at 12 it doesn't there's a chance Juwan Taylor drops. I think he would be the dream scenario for Green Bay. So it would be interesting if it does get to sort of 10 and 11 and he's still on the board, will they will they pull the trigger and go the other way? So that would be... Because I think there is a dearth of, of options that fit what we're looking for, isn't there? There's no standout candidates for me. Um, again, you're then talking, you get into the likes of Dalton Risner. But again, that's going to be the back end of the first round, I think. So if he's there at 30... I think that's a potential option because he can play all three positions and, and Green Bay like that, don't they? And they're offensive linemen. So I think Taylor, my only question was, and I didn't really sort of look at it, was Dillard, could he play right tackle? Because I think on paper, his athletic testing scores and things of that nature, and his movement skills and his rawness and the ability to be able to coach, he would be the obvious fit for me. Out of all the prospects that are there, Dillard would be the obvious prospect. But it's just a case of whether... He can play right side. After that, I think it's Risner would be the next one for me at the top of the board. Mm. Uh, and then further down, you're looking at guys like uh, Titus Howard, uh, Sharpin we've already talked about, McGarry if he tests out health-wise, and then guys further down, the likes of Dennis Daly. Um, but I think it's um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we don't know where Cole Madison is, do we? Is yeah. he going to be potentially pitched in at tackle or do they see him as a guard so I guess till that plays out and they'll know where they are with that situation that's going to have a big influence on the draft I think yeah there's a lot of fanfare about him certainly and people are sort of saying that he's almost a bonus in that you've kind of got an extra draft pick with him um, yeah, absolutely. They yeah. rate him quite high. I was looking at his wages. Actually, they're they're Jesus. <laughs> I was looking at, like it's quite odd. They're they're very high. Um, so I hope he does come in and, and make an impact. I guess we can put this together, can't we, Peter, with the D line now, and can we question a rationale for depending on how the draft develops, 
would it be possible for the Packers to stick at 12 and 30 and go after an O-line or D-line first and then an O-line or D-line uh, in that second pick of the first round? Would that be acceptable? Or are we sort of saying, no, we're going one big guy and maybe a tight end if they're still there? Uh, well, I, I think... I think uh, yeah, I have no problem going offensive line, defensive line, or defensive line, offensive line. Now, I agree with Andy's point, and Andy used the right word around Jonah Williams. He's the safe pick at 12, absolutely. But I've no problem with going D-line in principle. I think it's, it depends on who it is. So if you're talking about the 12th pick, you know, who's going to be there at, at, at 12? If if Ed Oliver drops, which is possible, yeah. unlikely he drops as far as 12. But if, but, but if, but if he dropped to 12... I would happily jump at the chance of taking taking Oliver. Um, you know, and you're looking at him, yes, to come in and contribute this year, but you're also looking at, you know, you're looking at next year, you're looking at Mike Daniels being a free agent and all, and all of that good good stuff. You know, and if you, you know, there's other guys in that kind of area, you know, Montez Sweat, but the but there's a, there's you know a lot of risk around his around his health. Um, Around potentially around his past character, um, Rashan Gary of, of of Michigan is one of those guys who tests off the board, his play on the field. He hasn't been a dominant player, um, so they're not necessarily guys that you would, I would, I would jump at. So I think it depends on on who it is at at twelve. At thirty, thirty is a lot more interesting, I think, for around around the, the, the defensive line because, you know, you're now looking at um, do you use that pick on, say, somebody like Jeffrey Simmons? So we know he's almost certainly won't play in 2019 because of his injury. But that's a guy who, had he not been injured, would be a top 10 overall pick this year without question and possibly a top five overall pick. You know, if you get him at 30, you get him on a five-year deal. If you include the option year in there, so you get four years of him. You know, you potentially get a top 10, even top five pick at number 30 in the draft. You know, you you potentially have a, you know, a, a bargain there. So I wouldn't rule out Jeffrey Simmons at, at 30 for the Packers. Um, for me, by far and away, the best two players in this draft, Nick Bozer and Quinn and Williams, will long since be gone by the time the Packers pick at 12. They're, go, they're, they're going two and three or two and four, I think. Yeah, certainly. I mean, from looking at the news reports on Jeffrey Simmons, he's down as being the absolute steal of the draft. So if he does drop low enough for anybody to pick him up, um, if they're willing to sort of, you know, obviously not be able to play him straight away. Andy, would you be under that impression as well? Do you see enough talent here on the D-line to make sure that one of our first two picks in the first round is definitely going on D-line? I think to go back to your point, it's sort of, it's a bit of a, um, a trifecta, isn't it? I think that the the tight end point is there's three tight ends that, that sit further down the draft for me, particularly the, the guy from San Diego State, Hale Waring. Mm. Um, and you can throw in Josh Oliver from San Jose and Sternberger. There's three of those guys are probably going to be available between rounds three and five, I would guess. And the, particularly the guy from San Diego State, I think measurably wise, I think he's a, he's a fantastic prospect, particularly given his background as a basketball player, which is a, the tight end position t- seems to favour. So those are three guys to look out for in tight end later in the draft that would enable us to pick up big guys in round one. So I think that, yeah, I think you're, I think Peter's right. The only two guys I don't like in that list is Gary and uh, 
Montez Sweat for, for various reasons. I just don't think they they fit what the Packers do for me. Um, I know Patine likes to get creative on defense, but I think there's a there's a real stockpile of guys in the D line, isn't there? The Jerry Tillery's, Wilkins, Tristan Hill further down the board, mm. Dale and Mack from Texas, Kalen Saunders. There's quite a few guys that are further down that I think would potentially be a, a heir apparent to Mike Daniels in the position that he plays in particular. Um, and if, if Ed Oliver's there, then it'd be interesting to see. Very interesting. And what's the rationale here, Andy? I mean, looking at this, we we saw the Smiths being added. We see Kyler Farquhar obviously is going to continue that level of play uh, next year. There's no question. <laughs> um, if, if we look at, I mean, because there is the criticism, right? And people do pick out Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels and say they're outstanding players. They grade highly every time at PFF. They stick to their assignments, but they don't really have that ability to get to the quarterback and put him down. We're missing some height, aren't we? I think yeah. they're the, the missing, oh, well, Kenny Clark, is he 6'5", is he? So it's not he's, not, he's not a small guy, is he? But I just think we miss that different type. So Mohamed Wilkerson, was going to be that different type, wasn't he? So I, I guess uh, I, I, you know Dean Lowry is a different type of player. That Lancaster played well when he came in last year, but more in a, a run stuffing mode. So I just think we needed something a little bit different on the D line for me, which would enable us to keep the rotation fresh and, and create pressure from from the middle of the defense as well. I th- yeah, I think what I think what makes this intriguing is we don't know how they're going to play the you know the two Smiths. Yeah. You know that were picked up in free in free agency because you know you look at the Packers' base defense, if you like, with those three defensive linemen. You know, and you and you're asked you're asking Kenny Clark, you know, to play zero technique over the over the center and control that middle of the line. Mm. You're not necessarily asking him to to get to the quarterback. Yeah, and and there's a little bit of the same with, you know, with 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 Mike Daniels. You know, you, you you're asking him to play. As a three-four end, um, probably five technique over the tackle, and 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 you know you're asking him to tie up blockers as much as you are asking him to make a play. Um, you know, so that so the defense is is seemed to be keyed around you know your outside linebackers, your Matthews, your fat crawls, and then um, those guys making making the what looks like the exceptional play, if you like. But that's because your front three is tying up those blockers, and that's the difficulty with some of these guys in the draft that we've mentioned, like Montez Sweat. So Montez Sweat for me is a four-three defensive end. Yeah. If the Packers base defense, and, we'll, and you know, I use um, the word base because we're not quite sure how it how it all pans out, but you, but if their base defense is three-four, he doesn't fit yeah. a three-four defense, you know. And the same with Rashan Gary. You know, some people love him, some people hate him, but he doesn't fit a three. In fact, he's quite difficult to work out where he does fit. You know, he's probably he's probably a four three end. I, I I think he's potentially a four three tackle, but he's not big enough really to play inside at defensive tackle. So 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 he's he's a, he's an athlete without a position almost. So so again, it's about finding you know the right fit of guys for the for the defense that Mike Pettin's going to play and. Um, I think it, a lot of it depends on how the two Smiths and where he lines those guys up. Yeah, which really brings in, I guess, we have to tie these in, in tandem with inside and outside linebacker in this draft and, and where we go here. Is this more of an opportunistic pick? Uh, because inside linebackers, we see Devin White and Devin Bush, uh, the two people that, you know, lads are screaming for um, on Twitter. Um, so, I mean, do we put a do we put a premium on inside versus outside, outside versus inside? 
um, because if the rationale and the sort of game plan is going to be the same to have Clark and Daniel sort of you know causing mayhem in the on the defensive line, we really need someone to get to the quarterback. Um, you know what what are we what are we looking at here with these inside and outside guys, Andy? I mean, do you have lads that stand out for you, or are we sort of going D line first? Well, I think we were all talking about sort of Brian Burns, weren't we? Sort of pre-free agency. Yeah. But once the the acquisition of the two Smith brothers, then um, uh, it's not so much of a bigger need now, isn't it? It's more of a luxury pick. It just opens up the board for the Packers, doesn't it? And I guess it just it comes down to whether or not he's he's higher than the other the options. I guess in terms of Burns inside linebacker, we've never put a premium on have we? Um, so I, as much as I think both Devons are going to be elite players in the NFL I just don't see it I just don't see that they're going to spend that pick I think there's probably a few guys further down the boards the likes of Jermaine Pratt or Gary Johnson even further down around 6 and 7 even the guy from Notre Dame Tranquil, I quite like him in the 3-4 defence, I think he's got speed Um, I don't know, I think they've put Oren Burks on watch though, I think they would expect a sort of big improvement year 2 from him so if they can get that improvement and he can work off his blocks better than he did last year and use his speed effectively, then we're, then we're pretty well set. But it really does depend a lot on what they think of Burks and, and how well he's going to progress in the inside linebacker. Outside, I'd like to see us add another option. There's plenty of guys on there that that be available further down the board. Uh, ben Banagoo, I've talked about in um, Peter's piece. Um, quite a lot of guys. They're enamoured with Chase Winovich, aren't they, from Michigan? Um, Jimenez, I quite like him as well. And a guy further down, a guy called Daryl Johnson, He's a bit of a speed merchant, but he would be useful. Um, Justin Hollins, guy from Oregon, uh, he'll, be, he'll be a sort of a taller guy, 6'5", and, and has plenty of sort of potential from the outside. So difficult, but there's, I don't know. Peter's right, though. I think the four three guys, I think, would be a difficult fit in the Packers' defence to where we currently play. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and I think that, you know, I, I, you know, I like both of Devin White and Devin Bush, yeah, I think they're going, you know, Devin White's going in the top four or five. Um, you know, Bush is going 10, 12, 15, that kind of area. I think he's a potential pick for the Packers. I think a lot of it will depend on how they really feel, as Andy says, about Oren Burks. You know, because because if they if they take, let's just assume that they were to take Devin Bush at 12, and he doesn't really kind of fit their physical mould of what the Packers have done traditionally... But if they took if they took Bush at twelve, you, you're almost saying there that, yeah, am I giving up on Burks at that point? Um, yeah. Because because let's not forget, you know, it, the, those the two inside linebackers. Let's assume it was you know Martinez and and Bush. Those guys are not on the on the field. Both of them together are not on the field for all three or four downs. Mm. So, you know, you're you're if those two are not on the field for all or three or four downs, the third, the third inside linebacker is hardly getting on the field at all. You know, he becomes a, a predominantly a special teams guy. Um, so I think, it, you know, that's going to depend on how they feel about, about Burks. Yeah, they're going to have to give it up on a big style, aren't they? Yeah. To go inside yeah. linebacker that early, yeah. that's going to be a, well, it's, it's almost saying that it's, you know, the only way around that is if we suddenly operate a trade, for either the two current incumbents, isn't it? For me, yeah. it's just uh, hard to see, really. Uh, yeah, it, it it really is, and 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 with all the sub packages that you know that um, Mike Petten runs, you know, a lot of the time last year they only had two linebackers on the field for 
you know, I don't know what the percentage was, but for 50% of the plays, there was only two linebackers on the field. And, you know, that was Martinez and, and, and Clay Matthews. So, you know, it, it's, it feels a little bit like it would be a, a luxury, but, you know, it just depend on how, how, how Mike Padding would want to play that. In terms of the outside guys, I mean, and Andy's named all of the guys like Chase Winovich and, and, and what have you. Um, the one name that I will keep throwing out there um, I don't think the Packers will take him, by the way, because I don't think I, I think the Packers are very high on high character guys and, and what have you. But I think Ja'Kai Polite will get picked in about the third or fourth round. And I think he will be a player in the NFL. Um, and, I, and I say that and I understand everything that as far as we know, what's been reported at the combine and his pro day and, and, and everything since. But I will tell you that his play on tape is excellent. And if you were to look at his play on tape, that's a first-round talent. And I don't believe that he's suddenly become a bad player since January. So, so I, there's absolutely the potential for somebody to get a real bargain in, you know, in the third or fourth round if Ja'Kai Polite drops that far. He could also, of course, be a, be a bust if his character is really bad. And that's the, that's the issue. But, but in terms of his play on the tape, first-round talent. Yeah, and with all this talk and all this sort of, he's really hit the media and hit the headlines. Let's just hope he doesn't end up in New York because it's not going to ease up on him any. Uh, but, you know, he'll be seen on a boat wearing Tim's. But uh, talk about a kick in the arse. He's going to need to really get his head screwed on. And if he's mature about it and plays his cards right, uh, yeah, um, he'll have all that pressure taken off him and he'll sort of show he'll have something to prove and he'll do well. So let's lump the defensive backs all in together, or, let's say. Or, or do we call do we call him Jackie O'Polite? The, <laughs> the Irish. Yeah. The Irish outside linebacker. I will. Yeah, he's got the fiery attitude. I think there's definitely some Irish in him. Um, and not to be confused with Jackie O uh, herself, um, which is something completely different. Uh, cornerbacks, <laughs> safeties, uh, lads. I'm looking at the roster and I'm seeing that there's, uh, you know, I sort of salivate when I think of, of Kevin King and, and Alexander and all the rest. And, and then at safety, we just look particularly weak, but there's not an awful lot of talk around cornerbacks and safeties with the Packers in this draft. Um, Andy, is this because the talent pool isn't that great at cornerback and safety and there's no one really worth talking about? Um, or are people pretty satisfied that what we have, we can run with, which would be a bit rich, I guess, because we see you know the type of play that we get out of Josh Jones is pretty hot and cold. Um, and then we look on, you know, Kevin King, he's brought injuries in from college and has remained injured when he's been with the Packers. So, I mean, how confident do you are you with our uh, defensive backs? And can we add any value in this draft in that area? No, we're not allowed. There's a new NFL role being brought out that you can't take a cornerback for 17 consecutive years <laughs> in the first two rounds, which, ex- which excludes us from taking a cornerback for this year. <laughs> That's ridiculous that we can't. We can't go to the well once more, can we? Yeah. We're going to at some point have to sort of stick with what we've got and, and say enough's enough. King needs to beat the injury bug. He's a player, isn't he? He can play, but he needs to snap the injury bug. And there's enough cornerbacks on the on the roster to to do the job that we need to do, I think. If you want to take some guys down the bottom, four, five, six, seven, then then I'm all for that. And there's, there's three or four guys I'll, I'll touch upon that I think will be useful additions. Um, but the priority for me is um, the deep safety. Um, probably my favourite player in the draft is Thornhill from Virginia. I think he would be the perfect fit for the Packers, particularly next to Amos and what he brings. And particularly with what Josh Jones brings, you, you're right, he's been inconsistent. But close to the line of scrummage, he's a real asset Yeah. if he's played in the right position. Um, and there's some tape out there when he's playing more inside linebacker and he looks ugly shaking 
off blocks and making incorrect reads. I get all that, but he's not an inside linebacker. He's a in-the-box safety that, given the office, he can be a useful addition in Patine's defence. Um, but I think that the, the deep safety for me is the position that we need solidifying, um, particularly given the, the quality of safety play we've had over the last sort of two or three years, which has been particularly poor, hasn't it? So Thornhill would be my... He's going up the draft boards day by day, isn't he? I've seen him projected to go somewhere in early round two now, so which is I think three, four weeks ago, he was round four. Um, so him and Darnell Savage um, would be the two premier safeties for me. Um, Gardner Johnson would be the next one. Adderley's a different kind of guy, but I guess given the name, he would be a good addition for Green Bay. Um, uh, and then after that, there's probably three guys at the bottom of the bottom of the draft. Worthington, um, Evan Worthington from Colorado, uh, Sheldrick Redwine and Marquise Blair would be the three safeties that I would look at towards the bottom end of the draft. But I would be strongly in the camp of getting one Thornhill. He would be my dream pick for the Packers. I think he would be a perfect fit. Um, and if he's not there, then that'd be Darnell Savage. Um, but I think it's a priority. I don't think it's a first-round priority. Um, I didn't think it was a second round, but it's, it might have to be a second round pick now, given the way the the board is starting to fall. I thought both of those guys would be would be ready and available in round three, but maybe he's not now. So, hence why I'd like to see a stockpile picks between the rounds of sort of picks of thirty and ninety, because that's where the quality players are for me. How about you, please? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. The safety position. I, th- I think, I think the the difficulty for me sitting here right now is. And when you're trying to project the Packers' safety, is is what are you having Adrian Amos? Mm. You know, is 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 he, uh, you know, a, a safety playing closer to the line of scrimmage? Is he a safety that that's you know that's that's playing in a too too deep safety, too deep zone? I'm not quite sure what he is, and the reason I say that is 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 it's a good thing because I think he has the potential to play both. Uh, I think I think Amos is a fantastic pickup but he played lo- closer to the line of scrimmage in Chicago with Eddie Jackson deep and I think it just depends on where Mike Pettin's head is around what he's doing with Amos that will determine the type of second safety if you like that the Packers pick um, you know and Andy and I you know talked about the safeties and it's really difficult even including the top two who are, who are probably Nazir Adley and, and, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson it's really difficult to to put the top kind of eight safeties in the right order because they all bring something slightly different to the table. You know, so you've got Nazir Adley who can, who can play deep, can play single high safety, you know, it's rangy, can get across the field in kind of an old Thomas type um, situation. But then you've got Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who's a great athlete, excellent in man coverage. You know, you can line him up and pick up the third wide receiver, the slot receiver. So you've got two, you know, different, types of safeties and then the thing about Juan Thornhill so so originally was a corner brings a lot of speed to the safety position um, and makes a lot of plays so makes a lot of tackles but is in on a lot of turnover plays you know interceptions forced fumbles he's around the football a lot and what I'm not sure about so, so, see Thornhill is one of those guys who's who's excellent when there's where there's a lot going on. So you know where there's um, um, receivers coming over the middle, forcing up to play the run, 
he's physical and that kind of stuff. I think he's excellent in there. As I was saying, he makes a lot of plays, plays the football. It's it's when he plays deeper, he appears to be a bit lost in space. Mm. Um, that's something that can that can be coached and can be and can be fixed. So you've got you know that's just an example of of you know it depends on what you're looking for. Um, I think Thornhill is probably um, the third or fourth best safety in this class. So if he's there at 44, then I think you know I think that's decent value for him. And 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 like Andy says, I think there's going to be a run on once the first safety goes. That's probably Adderley late in the first round. Um, I think there's going to be a whole run on those guys. So I think you know I think Adderley, Garden Johnson, Thornhill, Savage. Abram, um, uh, the guy at Alabama, Deontay Thompson. I think there'll be a whole run on those guys where you get, you know, five or six of them go probably within about 10 or 15 picks of each other. Yeah. Um, so I absolutely expect that the Packers will take one second, second or third round. It's not beyond the realms of, of possibility that they take Nazir Adley with the 30th pick. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be my ideal choice because actually, I'm not sure that he's the best value for the thirtieth pick. But we don't know who else is going to be on the board at that point. So I think it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they do it, do that, and then, and then, of course, give him, give him the twenty-six jersey as well. Yeah, which, which would be great. But uh, there's enough other people on Twitter calling for it too. But one of the things that I see on Twitter that makes me want to vomit all over my keyboard is the ficking jokes. Ficking, we get it. We get that it's a couple of letters away from a really rude word, but so is Gudekunst. So let's talk about uh, Mason Crosby, 2020 free agent. Um, you know, the highest point scorer in Packers history will likely remain so for the foreseeable future. The guy's been around um, as part of the furniture. He's got grey hair to boot. Um, so, you know, a dodgy game last season, uh, a couple of times where he was depended on to try win the game, which would have, you know, like we always say, it should never come down to that. Then we see them bring in Ficken. Now, we see them do this with uh, Giorgio Tavecchio, who was from Milan. He was Milanese. They brought him in, and he did a good job, and he went elsewhere, uh, ultimately, really. And that was after Crosby's really horrendous year, um, and he ended up taking a, a pay cut on that salary. But he's still due to get $4.8 million in salary in 2019. Ficken is on one-tenth of that, really, with four hundred ninety-five grand, is this just healthy competition to keep Crosby on his toes? You've got a new offensive system and a new head coach, and they want to make sure that you know Crosby's as effective as he needs to be. Or is this really a kind of worrying time? Now I know it's sort of aside from the draft talk, uh, but if we look at the the special teams players that are in the draft, not unless a meteorite hits Earth. Um, or we get all of our picks and find ourselves incredibly bored by the end of the draft and just to try to take the piss, uh, well, then we're not going to get a free agent or a special teams player. Uh, sorry. So what is this, lads? I mean, uh, Andy, what are we talking here? It, it, should Crosby be quaking in his kicking boots or is he safe and he just has to make friends with Ficken before he waves him goodbye? <laughs> what do you think? Six, six weeks ago, if you'd have asked me, I, I was looking at the kickers. I thought we'd take a kicker. Yeah. Um, towards the back end of a draft if potentially not an undrafted free agent um, quite simply put there was nobody there yeah. <laughs> that I looked at that was either had the strong enough leg to, to play in Green Bay or was consistent enough to warrant giving Crosby a run for his money so uh, I don't know maybe it's one of the guys will come to the to the top and, and prove me wrong but uh, the crop I saw it just wasn't 
anybody worthy of a draft pick. Yeah. Um, you're always going to get a camp like aren't you? There's always going to be somebody in camp that's going to give any starter run for his money. I don't know enough about this guy to know whether he's good enough or, or not. But um, I would imagine he may not be the last kicker in the door to give Cuthby that run for his money. That would be my best bet. Um, I don't know. We've still got room for a, to draft a long snapper in round seven, haven't we? So it'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, the, the annual tradition. But when I look at this, I mean, yeah. you know, you look at his, he's, he's kicked six times in the pros and he's got three out of six. So he's at a 50% mark, which isn't <laughs> great for that like, big sample size. Uh, Peter, everyone seems to be really high on this guy for some reason, mostly because he's name and they can make some really lame jokes. But I mean, how do you see this sort of kicking competition go? Like Andy says, it's just, just a camp leg. Should Crosby be worried? Um, so, so if I was Crosby, I'd be worried. Um, I wouldn't necessarily be worried be more worried about this guy coming in um but 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 i i think his salary is is an issue yeah i think his 2018 is an issue uh, particularly uh, you know the two the two or three games the detroit game and what have you that where he struggled I, I like mason crosby a lot um i suspect that he makes the roster um because i think there's there'll be an element of, of loyalty in there um but I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, whereas it was a year ago. Um, and I, I think it would be interesting to see how how it works out. You know, if we go back to go back to the old days <laughs> in in you know, Packers have one of the best kickers in the league in Chris Jackie when when they won the the, the ninety six team won the Super Bowl. You know, it wasn't an All Pro, but he was right at just below that level. It's one of the best kickers in the league, you know, kicking in in Green Bay. Packers cut him at the end of at the end of '96. You know, Ron Wolf was very um, very sure of himself when it came to making those types of decisions. And I suspect if if Wolf were the GM now, there would be a bigger chance that Crosby wasn't wouldn't be there come the start of the season. Yeah, um, I think he will be, but I do think he's under some pressure. I think the salary cap number is excessive for yeah. the position, isn't it? It's a, a hindrance. Um, but I think the fact that he is number 12's long-standing buddy will weigh into the decision-making process. So for, for me, I think it will anyway. Yeah. And, and I think he'll still be around. Plus, I don't think there's a, a dearth of free agent kickers um, kicking about that could be an upgrade <laughs> bringing the yeah. puns at the end of the podcast I, I can't believe we still have the energy um, <laughs> once we get to this stage over an hour in yeah it's an odd one isn't it I mean if I guess the, the proof is and the point really is is that you know salary hit is important and it's one thing but the fact that we lost games last season because Crosby couldn't get it over the crossbar really shows how important the position is too and how important and how uh, you know, just devastating it is when it's not going right. So it's an odd one to kind of balance salary with the guy who can actually do it, especially in Green Bay where you can have, like, lads, you know, we don't even need to spell it out about, the, you know, the wind conditions, you know, based on what ends on you're kicking to versus the weather conditions. Yeah, and it's another one of those positions where when you get when you get a decent one, you know, um, you keep them. Mm. You know, the, uh, So the Packers have been quite, quite lucky with you know Jackie Longwell and Crosby you're going to remind me of the name of the guy that was between Longwell and Crosby who just completely slips my mind right now um, but the Packers for the, for the last 
you know, 20 or so years, 25 or so years, have been pretty lucky with with the kicking position. So I think when you get a good one, you're loath to let him go. I mean, I remember years in the, in the 80s when they went through about six kickers in the one year. <laughs> um, so so it's so it's difficult. So I I suspect he, you know as as we say I think he I suspect he makes the roster this year. He's then a free agent next year anyway, and we're in a completely different different situation then. But. Who can ever forget the third round pick we used on Brett Conway? Brett Conway, <laughs> Penn State, yeah, 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 biggest waste of a draft pick ever. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing about Crosby. I think if he can keep the performance up, I think Crosby would be very willing uh, between his age and his ties to Green Bay, how old he is, how he set up his life in Green Bay to, t- to you know, take a contract, a massive salary cut, see out his last couple of years um, in Green Bay and ride off into the sunset um, to play golf, uh, not out. Um, so th- <laughs> that really brings us then to the end of all the positions. I guess the, the only last thing to maybe you know, jump into for just a couple of minutes would be the sleeper picks and um, who we'd be, you know, really delighted to get um, in this draft. And, and, and guys, now, Andy, you've alluded to it too, that there's an awful lot of these fellas that people are starting to become wise to now and they're starting to shoot up um, draft boards. But is there anybody, lads, that you see um, as exceptional value that we can sort of pick up in the later rounds? You know, because most people just switch off, don't they? When it gets to the later rounds, they sort of stick around for one, yeah. two, and three and then kind of fall asleep for the rest. Who are we looking at here? So there's two position groups, that, firstly, that we sort of skimmed over. So cornerback was one, wasn't it, that we talked about at the top of the board. We probably don't want to take a cornerback mm. early yet again. But there's probably three or four guys towards the bottom end of the draft. Um, Isaiah Johnson, uh, Jordan Brown, Sean Bunting, they just had him for a visit, uh, Julian Love and Chris Boyd. So there's sort of five corners for me that potentially would be on our radar later down the draft. And then the guard position, we sort of skimmed over a little bit as well. So a couple of guys there, Nate Davis, um, will be available sort of day three, Ryan Bates from Penn State, um, the Danish maestro we talked about, Hajolti Froholt. And then the two guys at the top were quite interesting. When they So before Cole Madison sort of, came back on the scene I think we, me and Peter were talking at length around sort of Eric McCoy and, and Chris Lindstrom so I'd be interested to see if they're still sat at the top of round two whether or not we'd pull the trigger there I think it guesses it depends on on Cole Madison doesn't it mm. and, and where we're at with that sort of progression I guess um, but there's a couple of tackles as well uh, a bit further down the board that we talked about so that, that's the offensive line covered off who do I like the best uh, ooh, I, I really like wearing the tight end I think he'll be available sort of rounds three and four. I think he'd be an excellent pickup. Talked about um, Thornhill and Savage, the two safeties. I really like those two players. Um, and I really like sort of Ryan Bates, the guard from Penn State. I think he fits the pack of mould in terms of being able to play multiple positions. Uh, tackle Titus Howard. Uh, I think he'll be a good sort of later round pickup as well. So those would be my guys. Um, the wide receiver would be Anthony Johnson, the guy from Buffalo. Uh, I think he's got a, a real sort of pro-ready skill set and would be an excellent addition. So that's for me. Yeah, the, 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 in addition to the, to the guys that Andy's, Andy's mentioned there, I mean, the, the, the guy that's really begun to intrigue me over the last few weeks is um, Tony Pollard of Memphis. So we've got him listed as a kick returner and that's kind of where his, I think, immediate forte would, would be such as kickoff returns are these days in the in the NFL. But he's one of those guys who's, who's a shifty runner, 
um, could catch the ball coming out of the backfield, can line up as a wide receiver, you know, and, you know, has returned seven kickoffs for touchdowns in his in his college career. He's, he's just a all-round athlete who knows how to how to run with the football. And when I run, when I say run with the football, I mean as a, as a back, as a receiver catching the ball and as a return guy. So he he's very in, intriguing to me. I think he can play in the NFL and I think somebody will pick him up probably in round six or seven. And it would be interesting if it were the Packers to pick him up as competition, if you like, for, for Trevor Davis. But, but, you know, Pollard could easily be, you know, your fourth running back on your roster or who would do a job for you as a, as a, as a back. Like I say, could line up as, as a receiver and would be, I think, a really good kick returner. So, that, so he's the guy kind of the under-the-radar guy that's really intriguing me right now. Okay. Well, do you know what? It'd be fascinating then, lads, if um, you know we get later in the draft and if, if we listen back to this, people listen back to it and they see us <laughs> pull some of these lads. I mean, Jesus, it'd be uh, something to look forward to because it's enough. It's very hard for some people. That's what they put it on at noon, the later the later ones as they just whiz through. I think, Andy, you had the experience that you? you were eating your dinner, you you know, you know, sunk your fork into the mash and you looked up and it was over. <laughs> it's the best way to be, though, isn't it? It's more enjoyable, isn't it? Day three, I think it is. Yeah. It drags out a bit, doesn't it, with the, with the first round and... You know, um, people make a living off it, don't they? But it, it does drag on a little bit, isn't it? Particularly when you know for well that the Packers are going to trade back and you're going to have to wait another, you're going to have to wait another two and a half hours before we even see someone come yeah. to the podium and, in green and yellow. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think what's so what's so difficult this year is is the Packers go into the draft that other than other than the quarterback position that we talked about to death at the beginning of this podcast and and, and probably running back. You could almost pick any position in their first round pick and make a case for them taking a guy at that position at 12. Mm. So, so, you know, in normal years, you come in with a glaring need, at, you know, a, a tackle or a cornerback or whatever else. And, you, and you're looking at, right, so who's the best cornerback or the best tackle? Whereas this year, I think that you can make a case for them picking almost any position at, at 12. And then once you've got from there, that then defines what happens after that. Yeah. So I think it's more difficult this year to even try and work out, you know, how the Packers picks are going to fall in terms of position. Well, it's going to be intriguing. And the guide is on ukpackers.co.uk forward slash 2019 draft guide or just go to the site and tap on the blog button. So at least we have like just an unbelievable amount of information, 55 pages um, to, to jump into and sort of, you know, get excited about guys who are we can see them ranked from, you know, uh, one all the way down it's uh great stuff anybody got any other business to mention or something to look out for or forever hold your peace <laughs> nothing for me mate no nothing for me just get your sleep and get ready for uh birthday <laughs> yep same here grant and we don't want to receive any peed off messages from people who get super surprised about the fact that we've traded down there's enough value in the draft to allude to the fact that that might happen uh, so you have been warned uh, it's been fantastic to have you guys on and the draft guide is a fascinating read and again it's free uh, and what also is free follow you two lads on twitter so it's um, at it hedgehog for peter jones and also at pooley shrew for andy davies and hopefully as the draft unfolds on uh, thursday through saturday and uh, we'll have some great input from you guys so do keep your eyes glued to at uk packers as well and of course you can follow at instagram at uk packers and also facebook and we have a closed group on there uh, but i guess we'll we'll give it a wrap there lads um it's been a fascinating read and listen and uh hopefully we'll have you on just after the draft to see to grages in fact we'll sit you both down and give you a uh, 
give us a, a good L grade and <laughs> really picture who we who we picked uh, in real life and we can put all these mock drafts behind us and look forward to the 2020 mock drafts after that. I've been at the NFL um, on Twitter. Um, so yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Cheers, guys.